Welcome to Wholeness and Holiness Podcast. Here we will deepen your understanding of human and spiritual integration so you can live the life of peace and fulfillment God has for you. I'm your host, Margaret Vasquez. I hold a degree in theology and am a licensed professional clinical counselor and certified trauma therapist. Join me weekly for practical applications of the spiritual life. No part of this audio is to be used as mental health treatment or clinical advice. Please see a licensed mental health professional for personal consultation. Hi, and welcome to Wholeness and Holiness Podcast. I'm your host, Margaret Vasquez, with my co-host, Father David Tickerhoof, T-O-R. And we're excited to talk to you today about lowliness. Another word for that is humility. And um, there's so much for us in this today. And so, Father David, I'm just, I'm just chomping at the bit to jump right into this. So, well, you you just go right ahead. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll, uh, I'll I'll keep up pace as well as possible. But there's a lot of dimensions that we can discuss in the the, the notion of humility or littleness uh, from the Franciscan tradition, from Scripture. There's a lot of so take it uh, take a take a direction, and we'll. We'll get the the car is already running and we'll <laughs> put it sure. in gear. Okay, okay. Um, we're going to overdrive. So, so this actually, so this is something that's really um, I had a lot of. Uh, it, it feels very fresh to me because this is something the Lord's been been kind of cracking open to me in in prayer the last few days. It was ever since I guess at some point last week the gospel reading for Mass was the Magnificat. And I was reading over that and praying over it, and and it just really popped out to me. Um, now I'm just gonna I'll just start by reading it. How's that? So this was, of course, Mary's canticle when she went to um, visit her cousin Elizabeth, and Elizabeth said, um, "Blessed is she um, who believed that what the Lord spoke to her would be fulfilled." And Mary said. My soul proclaims the greatness of the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior, for he has looked upon his handmaid's lowliness. Behold, from now on, all ages will call me blessed. The mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is from age to age to those who fear him. He has shown might with his arm, dispersed the arrogant of mind and heart, he has thrown down the rulers from their thrones, but lifted up the lowly. There's that that word again. The hungry he has filled with good things. The rich he has sent away empty. He has helped Israel, his servant, remembering his mercy, according to his promise to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his descendants forever. And so it's just, it's obviously so beautiful. And obviously, and, and I know it's something that, um, that, whenever we pray the divine office, it's prayed at evening prayer every day. It's that, that important in the church that, that it gets prayed every day. And, um, and yet, you know, a lot of the times when we're exposed to something over and over again, we can kind of, you know, kind of go through it rote and, and it kind of, it, it just, you know, familiarity, right. And we get, we get so familiar, we can kind of forget the words, you know, and, just kind of be going through it. And, um, but it really, it really jumped out to me, Mary referring to her own lowliness. And then that word coming up again at the end of the passage and, 
it's really kind of, um, I think that word and the word might referring, referring to the Lord, I think those are the only words that get repeated again. And, um, and so particularly not just Mary talking about other, other people's lowliness, but her own lowliness. So again, another word for that being humility or minority as Franciscans would use that word. And, um, I was just really struck by it because, you know, that's not some kind of false humility coming from Mary. She was really in touch with, with the reality, you know, it wasn't just some, some pious thing to say, like she, she really saw herself as, as lowly, you know, it was a, it was a true assessment. And, and yet, um, the Lord's response, right? What is, how does God respond to lowliness? He lifts it up, right? And how does he respond to haughtiness? He casts it down, you know? And so it's just, it's so flip-flopped from, from what we're surrounded with in the world and um, and also from maybe even at times what what we gravitate towards, right? <laughs> We'd rather be in the high places than in the lowly places. I mean, we're in those places. There's a real feeling of being out of control and being powerless and, and these kind of things that can be difficult. And yet um, we see how the, the Lord responds to it. And um, I just think there's, there's so much in that um, because she was, um, she was rejoicing at what God did, right? What God did for her. And so then I was led to think, okay, well, if this is who God chose to form himself as Jesus coming incarnate, right? Was someone who was lowly. And then we, we, why would, why would he do that? But then we see later, like Jesus referring to himself as meek and humble of heart. And then we can go from that to, to Jesus is the image of the invisible God. So then it moves into, to God's own humility. So, so see how we can go from, from seeing Mary and then Mary's relationship to the Lord and her humility to Jesus' humility in choosing someone who is humble intentionally to form him on the human level in humility. And then Jesus revealing the father's heart to us and, and God's own humility. So I just, so I'm going to, I'll stop yammering and let you jump in on this because I'm, I'm sure you have a lot of things to say. Well, I think that's a, a good introduction because we, we get that sense. Uh, this lowliness, this concept of lowliness and humility was right from the beginning after, after Francis went through that terrible year in prison and then he came out and the struggles with his father and the business and everything else. And then the, the prayer, as Bonaventure records, that he was praying for about six hours. And then at the end of that prayer, you know, Jesus appeared to him in a vision on the cross, full size. And he his heart was pierced with compassion. And with that grace and charism of charism means a gift with compassion, Francis took on the lowliness of the Lord Jesus as he was nailed to the cross. And so lowliness is, is an essential part of the Franciscan tradition. The men and women Franciscans really, in a sense, 
gravitate to that loneliness right from the beginning. For example, St. Anthony was a scholar. And so Francis at the beginning wouldn't let the friars read any books or anything else. He didn't want any scholarship. He didn't want any anything that spoke of self-grandization or self-proclamation. Uh, he wanted the, the, the heart of his tradition and his relationship with God and with himself and with others, those th three connections. He wanted it, the feature to be lowliness that would express a poorness that would be, be most open to receive the fullness of God's life. So loneliness right from the beginning. Then when when St. Anthony, he saw how scholarship was, but he saw how holy he was when he got to know him. And then he started to let the friars go into education and books and things like that. So right at the heart of our Franciscan tradition, men and women Franciscans, is this notion of lowliness. It's tied into humility, littleness, all that being not being significant or in a worldly sense, self-proclaiming and self-achieving uh, and self-grandiose, uh, you know, uh, but rather the Franciscan tradition talks about this sense of lowliness. We we call it the virtue from scripture of humility. And, and it, it's so beautifully reflected. And, and Mary says she magnifies, her soul magnifies the glory of the Lord, the splendor of the Lord. Why? Because in her lowliness, the beauty of God was so present to her. Yeah. When, when you're talking about that, I'm thinking we can either li lift up ourselves, make an attempt to lift up ourselves or, um, which is all a facade anyway. Right. I mean, let's mm -hmm. be honest, because in, in the blink of an eye, it's we're back to dust, you know, Yeah. or, um, or we can embrace that the truth of that, that real position, the authenticity of who we really are before God. And, um, and then what does he do? Like, and Mary's canticle says, then he lifts up the lowly. So we can either, we can either opt to try to lift ourselves up or we can let the Lord lift us up. Like, yeah. which would you prefer? You know, well, um, right? no, 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 no uh, struggle there. It's no quite contest, clear what we, right? if we're looking for spiritual freedom, it's the, we want the Lord to lift us up. Yeah. Yeah. And then I, I know Whereas in one of the admonitions, I think I was looking for the source, but I couldn't find it. But remember Francis saying the humility of God, the humility of God, when he was talking about the Eucharist, right? I think that same notion applies to Jesus becoming incarnate, of course, right? That's the humility <laughs> of God. And then, and then, you know, it's kind of like the seeking to, um, to, you know, as Philippians talks about, Though he was in the form of God, he didn't deem equality with God something to be grasped, grasped. He emptied himself. So it's that emptying his divinity and taking on our, um, or not his, because he remained divine as well, but but his throne and taking on our humanity and then emptying himself into bread and wine and, and, and um, so that we can receive him and then emptying himself even further of his life as he gives it up at the crucifixion. So it's just, it's emptying and emptying and emptying. It's this like trying to reach down and down and down further and further and further to us. And so there, it, you can, you can really get a glimpse into why, why would Jesus choose our lady as 
his mother because because she was I mean we're all lowly in truth right but she was in touch with it <laughs> she was authentic about it and real about it and relied on God to lift her up and so um so it makes sense that that Jesus would choose her to form his humanity right coming as a little child and still needing to be mothered and taught and and brought up in those kind of ways that um wanting to have that that same meek and humble heart that that he would choose her i'm just going to share this i was reading and i was i was the lord is is so amazing it fascinates me so much how he can make these things these ideas come and just at the same time we come upon a um you know a section in a book or or a song or something that like reiterates the same idea and so last night as a you know we had already discussed that this was the topic we were going to talk about and i'd gone to pray and i was i've been reading this book by father rick martignetti um perfect love it's a great book shout out to father rick but so each it's divided into sections that are reflections on bonaventure's letter to um to claire and her sisters and the section for last night was sincere humility that's the section and it's really fascinating it's really i love what um what father rick does in here he talks in this section about patience as the um the witness to our what was see bonaventure reminds the sisters i'm quoting father rick here bonaventure reminds the sisters patience will be the witness to your humility as it was with the blessed mother so patience witnesses to to our humility when we don't see ourselves as able to demand this right away and you know um those kind of things then we're able to operate out of patience and it was really kind of cool he he kind of cracked this concept open father rick did in this he's talking about our lady's patience and he talks about um when the angel gabriel came he says, I'm going to read this section. He says, during his unforeseen heavenly visit, Mary must have had hundreds of questions for the angel Gabriel. What will Joseph say about this pregnancy? What about my parents? What will the Pharisees do? Are they going to stone me? Where will I live with my baby? Will my child be safe? What does one feed little God anyway? <laughs> like, right? So all of these, these questions that Mary could have had, and yet she, she only asks one how can this be since I do not know man? And so in other words, he says, in other words, she asked the heavenly messenger, who will the father be? Once she is assured that the father will be the most high God himself, she consents, giving her full yes to the angel Gabriel without asking a series of other questions. She trusts that God will answer the questions of her life one at a time when the moment is right. Beautiful, it's beautiful. Isn't that beautiful? It's a process of uh, becoming more and more lowly. And then internally, what happens is the work of grace opens our mind to see the truth, to see who we are, to see how God loves us and how much he cares for us and how much he wants to be with us and how much he then shows us how in relating to our brothers and sisters that humility and is that humility expresses itself in the character of lowliness, little brothers, little sisters. I think it ties in a lot to, um, to, as kind of the, 
anecdote for, um, for anxiety, because I think I see anxiety so often about self-reliance, whereas humility, um, properly understood is, I know I'm lowly. I know I can't do it. So, so why am I going to rely on myself instead? I'm going to rely on God, right? I can't do it, but he can (laughs) exponentially better than I would even be able to attempt to. So I'm going to rely on him. And then, then comes that, that patience, right. That that comes out of that and that trust, right. I don't need to ask all thousand questions that are running through my head because I know if God's the father, then enough said, (laughs) like everything else is going to be taken care of, you know? Yeah, right. when we when we exalt ourselves, self grandioso, you know, when we exalt ourselves, uh, what happens is inside is we lose that connection with God, and when we exalt ourselves, then everything really comes to everything emotionally and in our life and relationships is up for me to do. I have to do it. I'm right. the one that's going to do it, and so we don't do this intentionally, but we take over control of the things of our life and the moments of grace and the opportunities we have and the quality of our relationships. And, and so what happens is it comes across to others that we are so into self-sufficiency that we are closed to really letting others influence us in a positive and a good way. And above all, letting God's grace work so beautifully in our heart and our life. And so when we take on that character of littleness and loneliness, then the enhancement of the awareness of the act of continual presence of the Lord in his love and in my life and in my relationships comes forth in a beautiful way. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, to me, it's, it, it speaks to like ultimate truth and ultimate reality, you know, because it's just the, it's the truth that we're lowly. It's not some sort of, um, it's not sort of some sort of pretended notion that we have to try to embrace or, um, you know, and it's, it's just the truth that God is the, um, is almighty. I mean, it's mm-hmm. just, and that's just, and so the, um, I, as we're talking about this, what comes to mind is I think it was the Lord had said to St. Catherine of Siena, I am he who is, and you are she who is not. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. And so it's that, this is that same kind of, kind of thing like we're lowly he's almighty right and and yet we can see what he does with his power he gives us the perfect example of that in in you know that francis franciscans always seek to imitate or should seek to imitate is the ideal to seek to imitate and that's the the race to the bottom you know and <laughs> right it's like who could be the most humble huh? that's right that's right it's like water i think one of the I can't remember if it was Francis or Claire, but one of them talks about water, like water always flowing downward. And that's what we should be, be looking to do is always like go to the bottom. And I I think there's something, um, there was something in that as I was praying about that this morning and it led me back to actually before the Magnificat back in the Annunciation. um, And this comes back to mind so often, but you know, when the angel Gabriel appeared to Mary, and she asks, like, how can this be? And, and what he says is, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. 
And okay, like at, at first, you know, of course, in kind of more of a theological kind of pious mindset, we can go, oh, that's great. And that's wonderful. But, but you know, if you stop and you think about like the concept of being overshadowed, that's not something we usually like, you know? We don't usually no, because like. our, our worldly, fleshy self that's rooted in our sinfulness wants to, us to be exalted and yeah. upfront and grandiose. And, and so there's that inner breaking and tension that comes. So it, this lowliness doesn't come easily. It comes to a real kind of transformation where there's in, in the Philippians 2, it's a death to self so that we may be truly exalted and then we have we face ourselves our identity of who we are our identity what's this mean and it's out of the loneliness that we come to a healthy wholesome love related process of growing in our identity of who we are yeah i think it's it's so amazing it's so i think it's so necessary i mean at least i'll speak for myself it's very necessary because I don't really like being overshadowed. I don't really like being overshadowed by others, by circumstances, by life, sometimes by my own weakness or brokenness, right? There's a lot of different things that can overshadow us, you know? Your competitiveness. My com what? <laughs> what, competitive what competitiveness? What? <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> Eight concussions later from le leading with my head, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're saying things aren't tacked down too tight. It, yeah, exactly. It's that that whole concept of being overshadowed. But and you know, and I guess the reason I bring that up is because I kind of see that as the pattern the Lord so often, maybe is it safe to say always uses when he's going to accomplish something that's very kind of standout and miraculous is that it's, that's what he does. The Holy spirit comes upon us and the power of the most high overshadows us. Mm -hmm. That's, a, that's how that's he does those part exceptional of the process, things. Yeah. Right. Right. I think that's the, um, that's how, how he gets things going. And I think to the extent that we're willing to to receive the Holy Spirit and and let ourselves be overshadowed, then to that extent, are we able to collaborate in the work of God? You know. This morning at a breakfast table, uh, we were having Brother Marty and my brother Bernie. We were talking. He says, "What's your podcast going to be on?" And I said, "Well, I think we're going to talk about lowliness." And he said, oh, "Let me tell you a story." He said. Uh, mm -hmm. He said, "In Brother Juniper is one of our was one of our brothers in yeah. the past. Yeah. Brother Juniper in the Franciscan tradition, he was always the kind of simple, low, lowly uh, thing. And so, anyhow, Brother Juniper, real Brother Juniper, he says, boy, he said, this, this, this. Uh, he said, boy, he said, this, this, uh, this. Uh, today it's really a hot day here in Loretta, terribly hot. He said, you know." Uh, our our humility is very high. <laughs> he meant to say humidity. Humidity. <laughs> says, our humility. Our humility is very high today. <laughs> That's funny. That's great. He was he was rightly named, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's good yeah, yeah. our <laughs> humidity <laughs> yes yeah, so i think there we have kind of i think we have um we have so many opportunities throughout the day to to be overshadowed right yeah. 
and to collab to collaborate with with that and sometimes that pinches a lot i think or same same with our our patients being tried you know but that's supposed to witness to our humility and so um, so so we need a base and this is what we we've been concentrating on over the last number of weeks and developing this uh, the uh, workshops we're going to be doing in healing and uh, for the parishes and things like that the the area is is this identity the issue is really what's our identity as a person because and there's where prayer comes into things of, of you know we need to really in a sense grow in a, in a in a process of just uh, uh, ongoing prayer but we need to have prayer times and that's where we discover our identity as who we are and the truth of that and when the holy spirit works in in our personality and our relationships and shows us that then we start to begin to know who we are as a person and we really come into a a rich and mature identity of who we are, you know, and that's a wonderful thing. But, but that lowliness and littleness in the Franciscan tr tr tradition is really connected to who we are and our identity. You know, I, I I'm so grateful that you brought that up because it it sent me back to something from you know the Lord's been like I said been talking to me about this for ever since that was the the gospel for the day several days ago. And on one of the nights when, when I went to add, uh, to Holy Hour, the Lord um, was showing me uh, exactly that on the concept of identity. It was showing me that I think this is true for myself. I think it's kind of in a lot of ways the human condition, but showing me that hurt doesn't he's hurt doesn't happen because of our lowliness. We get hurt because people are acting out of their own attempts to avoid their own lowliness but we don't know that. And so we assume our lowliness got, gets us hurt. And so then we fear it. Right. And so then we yeah. try to disassociate ourselves with, with our lowliness and cause we go, Oh, the, the lowliness is bad. And so I'm not going to be lowly. I'm going to take on this kind of false identity because somehow that's going to protect myself. But lowliness was never the problem. It yeah. was other people uh, you know, trying to avoid their own lowliness that that somehow ends up wounding us when we get wounded by others. And it just it perpetuates the cycle. And so I think it it's really important to like stop and go, wait, lowliness wasn't the problem. It's the avoidance of lowliness that's the problem. That that's what caused this person to hurt me. That's what and so if I act in the same way, all I'm gonna do is hurt myself and hurt others as well. And, and also fundamentally not live in reality because, because that's, it's, you know, because lowliness is the ultimate reality. That's yeah. who we are before God, you know, as Francis would pray, Lord, who are you and who am I, you know? So this, this lowliness presupposes a connection and a, a connection to God, a connection to self. And then when we practice and deepen it as a connection to others. So if we are not connected to ourselves. And if, we, if we're, then we're disconnected, then we're pushing ourselves, and we're taking control and we're upset when things don't go our way and we're impatient and we're, you know, angry with this or angry with that. But see, because we've disconnected, but see, it, this is one of the reasons why prayer is so important because it brings us 
clearly and peacefully and through the work of grace into this connection with 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 ourselves and then we're we're like a flower that opens to the sun we're we're open there's an openness that wants to receive and then our connection with god becomes fruitful because god can then pour out his love and littleness and strengthen our identity and then together with our connection with ourself and with god we have a connection then with our brothers and sisters in the practice of lowliness and littleness, or if you prefer the definition of the virtue, humility. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, absolutely. I think it's, it's um, I was also thinking this morning about, you know, the whole, the Paschal mystery, right. And how it's, you know, it's that pattern of dying and, you know, when, when I was thinking about Paschal Mystery, I was thinking it's the pattern of dying and rising. And then I was like, no, it's not rising. We don't rise. We're lifted up, right? Right? We don't rise mm-hmm. on our own somehow. Yeah, it's not. Like, a, okay, we it's, don't have the power to rise right, ourselves. Right, we, right. Exactly. Resurrection will never be self, self-contained. There's, that's for sure. <laughs> right, right. And, so, and which I think is is essential. And that's why, like, you know, what, where where prayer comes in, it's really like, going time after time and really like beginning to absorb who the Lord is in, in his love. Like we've been talking about in, in the past couple, especially of podcasts, like his love is just so crucial because or else we're too scared to die just in our, in our humanity. We're too scared to die. We're too scared to, um, the, those little deaths as <laughs> you know, that concept mm-hmm. of those little deaths of embracing our lowliness. And then, you know, of course the ultimate death, um, like we're too scared of that. And so, so we have to really know who God is to really be able to see his heart that Mary's, you know, rejoicing in, in the Magnificat that, that he lifts up the lowly. And so when we see God's response to, to lowliness, um, we're able to have that, that confidence, you know, breaking the word confidence apart to act with faith, confide, right? With faith, not with faith in me, no. like with faith in him. Right. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and then as a result, we, we experience that internal peacefulness, even in the midst of crisis, in the midst of difficulties that normally without this, this connection, we would be just blown to pieces or upset and angry and vicious with others. But when we're connected there, it, then what happens is the peacefulness, the trusting in God. You know, we don't look to ourselves for the power or, or the grace. We look to the Lord, and then we have confidence. And then we're able to express then in our relationships the, the compassion and the love. And and this comes hard because there's many failures involved in that. We're human beings, and we have the sin nature to overcome, and we have the the attitude of being attached to the world in a negative way to overcome. But the, but this is it. This is really where Franciscan lowliness manifests itself and connects to the experience of compassion, which is generated by grace and love in our hearts and our lives and relationships. Yeah. It's so, you know, when you ponder these things and, and especially the value that they are for Franciscans, it, it really, to me, it, um, 
it's it sheds a light into Francis's embrace of the leper. It's not some sort of condescension, you know, it's mm -hmm. a, it's, it's a, it's on a parallel or it's on a, what would you call it? Like a horizontal plane. I'm not reaching down. I'm reaching out. Right. Mm -hmm. And I know like we would use the terms, um, we would use the term like ministering with instead of ministering to, mm -hmm. right. For the, for those we serve like that kind of idea. Exactly. Instead of, yeah. Right. Yeah, so it's seeing that, seeing the lowliness of the others, no, you know, might be might show up differently than my lowliness, but it's just not it's not any greater, right? Yeah. So, so that story of Francis on when he still had a lot of the world still working in him, and some 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 say the story is he's on a horse, you know, and others he's walking along down on the plains, and he abhorred lepers. He used to hold his nose. He'd turn away. He really abhorred lepers. And uh, all of a sudden, right in front of him is a leper. And as the story goes, the, to, the anecdote goes, is that he, he he's he's in, he's repulsed, and he he's ready to turn around, turn the horse around, and flee. And then all of a sudden, that compassion and mercy pierces his heart, that had pierced his heart with the vision on the cross, and it, he he catches it, he gets it, it fills his being. And he jumps down off of the horse and he goes over and he kisses the leper on the lips, which would be absolutely uncharacteristic, you know. And so he jumps back on the horse and he turns around to look and there was nobody there. And the tradition is that the leper was Christ. Yeah. Yeah. It's so beautiful. It's so beautiful. It just, it so much reveals. Um, that trusting stance, I think that that we can have in God, yeah. right? When we see how His own, you know, I, I think in a real overarching kind of way, the incarnation, His life, um, throughout it, He's showing us, don't be scared of lowliness. Like it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. And even right up to the very end, where He's like, you know, brutally tortured and and crucified, and then like this is what happens when when you're lowly right the resurrection right right so if, if you embrace that as he embraced that and what there's a change that takes place and it says in the in this story that then, from then on he went to the leposarium which was about a mile away and he used to wash the feet of the lepers and take care of them and things like that so you see that dynamic of lowliness emerging because the infinite love of God is piercing and, and it, it brings transforming of the human personality in relationship. And then what happens is that change bears fruitfulness in bringing that littleness and lowliness and love to brothers and sisters. Yeah. I had a, um, a personal experience that, that this is reminding me of. Now, this is not because of my humility. If anybody knows me, you know that's true. You're but warning me, huh? <laughs> I'm warning you. I'm warning you. So don't, yeah, please don't, don't, don't uh, call me out on that because I know it's, you know, it's true. But so this was a number of years ago, and I was speaking on the state level on trauma back when I was living in Ohio, and it was a, it was a big state um, conference, and and I was invited to give a workshop on trauma. And, um, 
and I was still, I was just in private practice. Most people were there from big agencies and that kind of thing. And here I am just, you know, this little peon and I'm thinking I'm in the room The I'd stayed over at the hotel, this big hotel that was rented out, you know, all these meeting spaces and stuff. And the night before I had stayed at the hotel cause it was over in Columbus, which is a couple hour drive from where I was living. And, and so that morning in the hotel, I was getting ready for, you know, getting dressed for the day and whatever, and just kind of pondering like, gee, I was kind of getting anxious, you know, lots of self-reliance going on. Right. And I'm thinking, how am I supposed to go in? You know, most of these people are kind of, are big shots and they're from big agencies and, and what am I even doing presenting here anyway? Like nobody knows my name, you know, kind of thing. And, and now in the background, I had just happened to turn on the television and a lot of times when you stay in a hotel, there's a certain movie that's running that's that's free, you know, that's and I had just turned it on for background noise. And uh, and as I'm thinking this thing about like, how do I kind of the the thought, I guess the bottom line was like, how do I make myself bigger? You know, how do I make myself bigger, big enough in order to be be able to do this? And the movie that was playing in the background was a it was a um, superhero kind of movie called Ant-Man. And this guy's superhero had been exposed to some, it's just some scientific thing or what, somehow he got shrunk down really, 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 really tiny, like an ant. And the superpower of that is that he was able to get into all of these like tiny, you know, like the size of a nanoparticle or something. He was able to get into places that he wouldn't be able to get into in any other way. So while I'm pondering like, my littleness, if you will. And like, how do I make myself bigger? All of a sudden, like that, this, the movie, like, it, like pierces through my, <laughs> my thoughts. And I'm like, Oh, that's it. Like, that's it. Like it's Ant-Man be like, at like Ant-Man, like I can cap, you know, I can, I can really kind of like capitalize on this littleness. I don't have to fight it somehow, kind of, you know, which is good because I don't have any way to fight it. Right. And so I went in and presented the workshop as much from the perspective of a person of a, you know, traumatized person who had been through really effective treatment and was now, was now treating as opposed to trying to like, you know, kind of puff myself up in some kind of way. And, um, and I have to tell you, like, it was, it was really beautiful watching the Lord use that. It was, the room was packed and people were, riveted for the entire three-hour workshop and afterwards one of the women came up and she said from the minute you opened your mouth I knew that everything you said was completely authentic and I was I was like I really think it was you know now this wasn't because of my humility it was because I didn't have another option (laughs) (laughs) but it was still it was still beautiful to see how the Lord used it you know and the littleness in circumstances yeah yeah it's a superpower right it's a superpower because we can we we because everybody has that loneliness whether whether they're in you know have the courage to embrace it in front of us or not maybe they don't maybe they're trying to you know puff themselves up in some sort of way out of their own fear right Mm -hmm. in their own brokenness and humanity but um but when we're able to embrace that and then we're able to get into places thinking in particularly in people's hearts you know that we wouldn't be able to get into in any other way if if we weren't if we weren't willing to become small you know or not even become small but just like embrace our smallness 
So you know that story you tell, but uh, if you feel inclined to share it, that that big girl that was in the classroom and she wouldn't move and she was standing there and uh, she was the teacher was all upset and you were the counselor that got called into the room to deal with this. Do you remember that? You I do. You want me to tell that story? Yeah, I'm, I'm because it really what... gets across a littleness, you know. Oh, really? Okay. Of how, how, you know, I think it does. It was I'll... maybe. I don't know. Yeah, I guess so. I. It was just to me. But, uh, you know, I was going to say maybe it, it, to me. Well, I'll, I'll tell the story. So, okay. So I was doing contract work at an inner city school in Akron. <clears throat> and I would do trauma work with kids, but I would also get called into classrooms to de-escalate situations when things were getting escalated, you know, and over the intercom this particular day is Miss Vasquez to the fourth grade classroom. So I, I go running down the hall, not knowing what I'm going to walk into. And I walk in and there's little math teacher. I mean, she really was little, just <laughs> like five foot tall, little math teacher in the front of the classroom, um, seeking to teach math. And there were about 29 little pairs of eyeballs all sitting in their desks. And there was one girl standing in the middle of the classroom who was a, about as big as me. And I'm, I'm about five, nine. So this is a fourth grader is about five, nine. And, and she, she's standing there with her arms folded and her bottom lip stuck out. And she was just the picture of defiance. She wasn't a child that I had a, you know, that I was treating. I didn't really know her other than I would see her in passing and, um, and it's clear she doesn't want to sit down. The teacher wants her to sit down or to go to the office and I'm supposed to fix it. <laughs> and I don't have a relationship with her <laughs> or a magic wand. And so I, you know, you have about two and a half seconds before you have to start trying to do something there. You can't just kind of stand there with your jaw dropped. Like, what am I supposed to do? So in, a, in that, those two and a half seconds, I'm thinking there's nothing I can do. I'm sure the teachers tried sit down or go to the office. I'm sure that's been dried before I was called, you know? So I thought, well, that doesn't make sense to tell her you have to sit down because clearly she doesn't because she, she's not. So I thought, well, the only solid ground I have is she's a person with dignity and I have to treat her that way. That's the only solid ground I have. That's, that's just, just, you know, fall back on the truth like this. Why, why come in and try to, you know, be, you know, kind of, inflate myself in order to kind of, you know, talk down to her. Like that just kind of seemed obvious to me that, that that was going to go nowhere fast, you know? And, um, so I, I kind of drew in close to her without trying to invade her space because I didn't know what she'd been through and I didn't want to, I want to threaten her by invading her space, but I, I tried to kind of draw in close because I wanted to lower my voice and provide her with as much privacy as she could have since 30 people were staring at us watching this take place. And so I kind of, kind of stepped in a little and I said, Hey, I'm, I'm really sorry. I know you don't know me and I don't know you. And I honestly don't have any idea what's going on, but I know you're a good kid because I've seen you in the stairwell a number of times and you always smile and you always wave at me. And I was just being honest. I mean, I really was just being honest. I had no idea where this was going to go. I just thought all I have is honesty. Well, when I said that, she just started crying. And I was taken aback because I certainly didn't go in like, you know, I'm going to make this kid cry. I'm going to break this kid, you know. 
So when I said that and she started crying, I was, <laughs> my eyes got big, I'm sure. And I was like, do you, you want to get out of here so we can talk? Well, sure. Of course she did. Cause she's crying in front of her peers, you know? And so we stepped out into the cafeteria and we were sitting there talking. It became obvious she just needed to go to the office. I don't, I don't really even remember the scenario. It seemed rather simple, but she needed to go to the office and make a phone call. For some reason, wasn't, you know, amenable to that, you know, before all of this had transpired, but I was able to get her to the office and she was able to take care of what she needed to. So, um, but yeah, so, so that's, that's kind of the story. I guess at first when you were introducing the story, I'm thinking, what does that have to do with littleness? But I, I can see what, I can see where you're going with that, right? Well, you were talking to her identity as a person and mm -hmm. you respected that. Mm -hmm. And that that's a, that's a relationship of little you were and you made yourself little in speaking to her and she got that and she put her trust in you and became cooperative. And then when 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 basically then when she said you you said you waved to me and and then, and then she just started crying because yeah. all that all that self-contained oppression just broke and then she just opened up and you were able to take her and talk with her and share with her. I mean, yeah. that's, that's, that's a littleness in action. <laughs> See, I was going to say it's not little and it was just, it was just the, it was just the truth. I didn't have any yeah. other options. Well, that's but the it, truth. It's but I think identity. that's what loneliness is, right? It's just yeah. the truth. It's just the truth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Isn't it fat? It's fascinating. We can, you know, um, I think we can, when we're introduced to the concept of different virtues at different points until the Lord really kind of pulls the veil back, they can kind of be lost on us. You know, humility can seem like something, something we, we do, you know, we humble ourselves and, but now we pretty much are humbled. <laughs> like we just have to be in touch with it and not fight it. And, um, because it's, everything is gift. And in a, in the blink of an eye, it can be gone or in the blink of an eye. If we don't have it, the Lord can give it, you know, he can raise up the lowly and um, yeah. So it's, it's really all about knowing who we are, knowing who yeah. he is, which is what, what another Jesus big does. Franciscan yeah. idea. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Well, let's go back to this notion of uh, the humility of God and talk a little bit about that. St. Bonaventure writes about it. It's always comes up in Franciscan theology, and uh, and then and then at some point, then I've heard individuals talk about the humility of God in, in terms of its fulfillment in the real presence of the Eucharist. Sure, right, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly where I think Francis talks about it, and it's I think it was in one of the admonitions, but I was trying to find it. But um, he says the humility of God, the humility of God. He keeps. He was really, it was like Francis's mind was really blown by the Eucharist, right? That, that the God of all creation of, you know, all of the universe and all of the universes or whatever, you know, of everything that is like would humble himself, not just to, enough that he would become incarnate, but then that he would transform bread and wine into his own body and blood. Okay. That's, and then that we would, re, you know, for us to receive him. I mean, it's just, he's just, you know, going lower and lower and lower, you know, it's kind of, we have that constant example in the Lord, you know? 
in our receiving of him is receiving his lowliness and also receiving his, the beauty of his greatness and grandeur as God. And uh, this is living this is living the Paschal mystery. This is the, the this is the main message of the council according to Pope Benedict, you know. This this whole idea is the dying and rising that uh, it uh, coming from the council that encouraging Catholics especially and other Christians as well to live out this holiness this whole holiness of littleness and humility is what brings the transforming power to others in our relationships you know yeah. beautiful beautiful yeah yeah there is um i think about the eucharistic miracles where they've tested the the blood type where where you know the hosts actually started pleading and that kind of and um and the blood type is actually is it, I can't remember, is it O positive or something like that? But it's, it's whatever yeah. the blood type is that's universal receiver. And it, right. Because so we're receiving the Lord, but he's actually receiving us, you know, into himself, into his heart, right. Yeah. Into yeah. his life. Like, right. It's we're in God's life. It's not, it's not about God being in our lives. It's yeah. about us recognizing that all of this is God's life that we get to participate in. And so, um, so yeah, so we're receiving his lowliness, but at the same time, he's receiving our lowliness. Yeah, you know? yeah. That's very... A connection. Yeah, yeah. And the connection of compassion. Yeah, yeah. A, a low, lowly person and a little person is, is filled with compassion. And that, that power of compassion brings transformation in other relationships that person has. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. There's a real freedom, I think, in that. You know, there yeah. was a freedom. It sounds like as you're talking about Francis and telling the story about the leper and you can see how, you know, you said he, he used to go miles around to av avoid, you know, going anywhere near them, but then he starts visiting the leprosarium. So, so there's a freedom in that. There was a freedom that day at the, um, at that statewide conference, um, PCSAO conference that where I was going to present, there was a freedom when, when I realized like, oh, I don't have to try to puff myself up. You know, there was a freedom when I went into that classroom and thought, I don't have to try to, you know, I'm so big and tough. I'm going to control this situation. There's a freedom that comes from that, right? There's a freedom. It's a real freedom and a peace. So thank mm. you for talking about this, Father David. I think it's so important. And I, I always love getting your Franciscan perspective on these things. It's just <laughs> near and dear to my heart. That's for sure. So, yeah. so for our listeners, we just um, thank you for joining, joining us and just know that we always pray for you, Father David and I keep you in our prayers and we just pray that the Lord gives you peace and shows you who he is in regards to to your lowliness and that your ability to trust in him brings you that peace, freedom, and joy that he has for all of us. If you want to be connected to Father David and I through books, feel free to find those on Amazon, Father David's book, Evangelizing Catholic Culture, my books, um, More Than Words, The Freedom to Thrive After Trauma, and also Fearless Abundant Life Through Infinite Love. And as well, we are happy to remind you that we are going into parishes and doing healing and formation missions. And um, that's just been a, a delight to be able to do that. So feel free to reach out through our website and 
and get something um, scheduled in your parish for this new year. And may the Lord give you peace. Thank you for joining me for today's show. Please subscribe and share and check us out on wholenessandholiness.com. Follow and like us on social media. And to learn more about Sacred Heart Healing Ministries, please go to sacredhearthealingministries.com.